What's up, everyone? Welcome to another edition of the Sports Ethos Charlotte Hornets podcast. I'm your host, Corbin Ford. Now, listen, I'm going to cut to the chase. What if I told you, yes, look at the record, the Hornets are 14-41, and but that Charlotte is on a four-game winning streak and just beat the Utah Jazz for the first time in 18 years. That's right, first time since Carlos Boozer, first time since Andre Karolinko, first time since Darren Williams. Would you be surprised? Yeah, yeah, I think you would, because 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 I'm surprised. Would you want to know more? Probably. So it's a good idea you tune in this show. Let's get into this. I, I, we just got to get into this. Let's go just dive into the game. Last night, Hornets beat the Jazz 115-107. to This is fun. This was fun, y'all. Um, back and forth all the way down. Now, Utah is a substantially better team. Well, they weren't last night, but they are better than the Hornets, right? They are a team in that playoff picture. And the Hornets went to their house. First game back. Stuck with it. And got this game done. Like, this was definitely a win that, I'm not going to lie, I probably don't see happening earlier in the season. Mind you, I don't think the Hornets didn't have fight this season. There were some games where, yeah, they they definitely threw in the towel. But in the sense of they'd hang around but be down 10, be down 15, we're talking hang around and get over the hump. And that's exactly what the Charlotte Hornets did. Um, Just a monster game all around. A total team effort. Miles Bridges did lead the way. 26 points, 14 rebounds, 4 assists, um, 10 to 20 from the field, 4 of 6 from 3. He was just great all game long, especially in that fourth quarter, a sidestep 3, getting to the basket, really doing a great job to keep the Hornets over the top, right? Uh, he was a, a plus 12. Um, Brandon Miller didn't have the greatest of games, 16 points on 16 shots, but did have 5 assists and 4 steals as well. You had eight points and ten rebounds from Nick Richards, who's always either two points or one rebound away from a double-double, man. Like, every time. It's hilarious. Um, Trey Mann played efficient basketball, played within himself. Um, 13 points, six rebounds, four assists, four eight from the field, two of three from three. Mind you, if I didn't airball that one momentum heat check three he was trying to take late in the, in the, in the third, I probably would have been like, all right, even better. But, hey, it happens. He's a young player. And that number in general is still very efficient. Cody Williams didn't do a whole lot. Neither did Vasily Micic. Um, both of them combined for three of 15 shooting, one of four from three, uh, two of four from the free throw line, six rebounds or seven rebounds and 10 assists. So the 10 assists really came in big. Uh, Micic had eight. Obviously, Cody brought the other two. Um, but at this point, now we're getting to the bench because Micic, again, didn't score well, missed two key free throws. Well, not key free throws. Missed two free throws at the end of the game. That would have definitely made it, like, academic. But the game was already in hand by the time he missed those. So, I'm not really tripping about that too much. Seth Curry got in there. Uh, 10 points in twenty, just under 20 minutes. 4-8 from the field. Uh, two rebounds for him. And then here's where we get some some real gold. The, the hero of this game. Because we, we can't give it to Miles Bridges. Miles um, Bridges was the, the better performer, I guess. But Grant Williams was the hero. 24 points. In 27 minutes off the bench, 7-16 shooting, 6-11 from three, 4-4 from the free throw line. Every time, every time the Jazz made a run and got back into it, if it wasn't Bridges, you know, getting a basket, 
it was Grant Williams bombing away from three. And Williams has been just so solid in a Hornets uniform. And yes, he was going, he was trending up and down um, with with the Mavericks, you know, before he had uh, that knee injury and when he came back, his shooting crater. But over his last four games with the Hornets, in 32 minutes, 15 points, three three-pointers. 31 minutes, 21 points, two three-pointers. Then he had his dud of a game. They still won this one, by the way, against Atlanta. 15 points, one three-pointer in 27 minutes. And then last night, 27 minutes, 24 points, six three-pointers. That's that's a good percentage. That's really, really solid. He's been 12 of 27 from three over the last four games with the Hornets, which brings, one, some much-needed three-point shooting for them, two, some consistency there from that four-slash-big spot, but five has made him a genuine offensive threat for a team that looks so much more competent post-trade deadline. We talked about this at the deadline, about how the Hornets brought adults in the room, how they actually made some substantial moves to bring in some additional shooting, some additional depth, some actual, no disrespect, legitimate at this time NBA players. Like, that's what Charlotte did. So we're seeing the positive benefits from that because this Hornets team, yes, they're still not as talented as the other teams they face for the most part, right? I mean, if you look over the last couple of games, I would still say Utah is a better, quote-unquote, better team than them. I would say Atlanta is a, quote-unquote, Uh, Yeah, I'd say better team than them. Not by much, but better, marginally, right? I would say Indiana for sure is a better team than them. Uh, Memphis is probably the only team that I would say Charlotte is better than this year. And that's because Memphis has been so decimated with injuries. I mean, come on, right? But Charlotte's been playing above their head. Charlotte's been a better team because of that. And, you know, Steve Clifford's been pulling the right strings. The defense has been coming together. Um, He said after the game that the biggest thing in the game was the three-point shooting. Our turnovers were down tonight. The rebounding was a bit of a struggle, but again, if you make 48% from three, you're going to have a chance, good chance to win, end quote. And yes, he's right. Like, that's exactly what the Hornets did. Put themselves in a position to win with their three-point shooting. Going 20 of 42 from three, yeah, that'll get it done, especially when Utah went nine of 39 from three. Rebounding, yeah. I mean, Charlotte managed to grab just 30 rebounds. Now, mind you, Utah only grabbed nine more. So it wasn't like it was a demonstrative difference between the two. But that was a difference there for sure. But ultimately, it's just so good to see this. Like, the resiliency, the effort, the fight. Like, again, I did not think Charlotte was not a scrappy team the first half of the season before the trade deadline. I just thought that, yeah, there were some games where they just didn't have the talent. They just didn't have actual NBA-ready bodies on the floor to even attempt to come back in that way, right? You had to hope a Terry Rozier night was really, really good. Um, or that Miles Bridges really had it going on when he came back from that suspension. Like, there really wasn't enough depth to even entertain any type of regular comeback. And now there is. You know, now you do have guys um, like Michich, like Grant Williams, like Davis Bertans, like Seth Curry, who can come in, know how to play, be solid on the floor. They're not scrubs by any stretch, right? They all have their own individual skills that they can bring to the table, and that's really helped Charlotte out. And I think that is something I'm just... I'm 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 cheesing right now. I'm I'm straight up cheesing. Consider this for a second. Later in the fourth quarter, Charlotte was down, ninety-four to eighty-eight to Utah. Nick Richards had a really, just a really solid, emphatic dunk off of a putback. Right. A little bit after that, Grant Williams made two free throws. Like, sandwiched in between those free throws. And that dunk by Nick Richards was a 14-0 run. 
that lifted Charlotte from being down 94 to 88 to being up 102 to 94. Like, that is a difference. That is a really good difference. Not only did Charlotte generate generate good shots, generate, generate good shots down the stretch, but their defense locked the they just locked down. Okay, locked TF down. Okay, y'all know what that means, right? Like they did the dang thing. And Bridges even said, quote, early in the season, we should, we would have gave up and let them run away with it, which I don't know if I completely agree with, but, you know, they, they just would have they would have ran out of gas, all the things you want to say. All right, continue. But, you know, we got veteran guys in the locker room now, winning players, and we got it done. Yeah, the Jazz did climb back because the Jazz are a good team. Jazz got back, closed it to 111 to 107. They were down by just four. But then Bridges made back-to-back baskets. That closed the deal. That did it for them. So, like... That 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 has made this Charlotte team now a, a team now on a four game winning streak after having lost ten straight before. Is just something different. Um, Bridges did say something after the game that I definitely agreed with. Um, quote: We didn't let our offense dictate our defense. We got key stops, and they did. Charlotte held the Jazz out of field goal for the final three thirty three of the game. That meant penetration from Jordan Clarkson, three-pointers from deep from Larry Markin, and good in-between game from Keontae George. It did not matter. Charlotte was able to lock it down. And that was big. Um, not that we care about Utah, but Larry Markin scored 21, Colin Sexton had 17, Keontae George had 16. But you know what Utah ultimately got? The L. Utah got the L. That, that's what happened. Um, Taylor Hendricks got his first start. He played well. But ultimately, it did not matter again. Charlotte got the W. So, yeah, there's not a whole lot to say outside of let's go. Like, let's keep this momentum going. Let's make this happen. Like, let's get pumped about this. Like, that's really the only thing I can say about the Charlotte Hornets team. I love what I'm seeing. It's good basketball. It's fun basketball. But more importantly, it's winning basketball. And that's something we just haven't seen in a while here. Like, I can't remember the last time Charlotte's been on a four-game winning streak. Definitely don't think it was this season. Couldn't have been. They only have 14 wins. So, like... Like, I mean, I guess it could have been. They could have went on a four-game winning streak earlier. We just know they haven't, right? So let me just look at the next five games, right? So tonight, they play Golden State. Now, Golden State is also on the second half of back-to-back, having beat the Lakers uh, last night. So we'll see Charlotte in Golden State, see how that looks, right? Then uh, the Hornets continue their road trip uh, going to the House of the Trailblazers, Portland, on Sunday. Then against Milwaukee on Tuesday, that'll be a tough one. And then Milwaukee will come to Charlotte on Thursday. So over the next five games, well, I didn't run one more. Uh, Friday, next Friday, the Hornets will uh, go to Philadelphia to play 76ers. So over the next five games, the Warriors, the Blazers, the Bucks, the Bucks again, and then the 76ers. Listen, I'm, I'm a Hornets fan. I'm rooting for them. I'm following this team. I'm excited. I'm also a realist, right? Uh, I actually feel good about the Hornets' chance against the Warriors tonight. I, I do. I think... Um, I think the Warriors, while a solid team that's really getting it together, uh, Steph Curry is a monster, as you know. It's going to be Steph for Steph. That should be fun. Steph Curry is a monster. We already know this. Um, Draymond Green's been, been fluid in form. You have guys like Jonathan Kaminga, Brandon Przemski that have been great. Clay Thompson is finding his groove off the bench. Like, basically, you have some really solid folks on that Golden State side. Like, forget the whole thing about championship pedigree and all that, which, of course, they have. No one is saying that they do not. But, like, this team's really been a, a solid squad. Um, that's just the long and short of it, right? And, yeah, they don't have a great record, but they're playing in a tougher West, right? But over their last um, 
couple of games here, they, they've been on a nice little recent winning streak. Well, two-game winning streak. They also beat Utah. They did lose to the Clippers by five. But ultimately, they've won five out of six. So they've been really, really solid. And they're going to be a good test for the Charlotte Hornets team that has been rising to the occasion here over these last four games. And we'll see. And in my mind, listen, if they can win this game, let's go. I'm with it. I'm pumped. I'm excited. Like, we'll have a show recapping it. Like, like I, I'm, I'm down. If they can't, okay. Like, I'm not mad at it. I'm really more concerned about the level of fight that they put in here. Like, like Miles Bridges said, you know, they've shown a resiliency that we haven't seen from this Hornet squad in that way. I think we've seen resiliency. They just had their own special version of hell over the last first half of the year. Injuries decimated them. I don't want to discount the fact that I did think – some of them guys tried. Did the culture, like, look amazing? I mean, you're losing a lot. I'm not saying it looks great all the time, but I definitely think that there was some level of, well, I said it. There was some level of of, of grit there. Was it a lot? Was it enough? The answer is no to both. But there was some level of that. With that being said, there was clearly a different level of that here now, right? So all I want to see is how Charlotte comes down the tax, right? I want to see Brandon Miller have a bounce back game. I want to see Grant Williams still be able to shoot the ball from deep. Miles Bridges has obviously been making a positive offensive impact for the most part this season. I want to see that continue, right? I want to see Steve Clifford's defensive scheme against Steph Curry and these Warriors. That's obviously not going to stop them, but hopefully it will contain them. Like, that is what I'm looking at. If they can win the three-point battle, which... I don't know, you know, Charlotte's been solid from there. Golden State is Golden State, right? If they can't do that, can they get in there and muck up the board some more? Can we get a double-double from Nick Richards? Like, these are some of the factors that I'm looking at for keys to possible success in this game. But obviously, success is objective. Success could be a, a resounding victory. Success could be a narrow victory. Success could be, success could be a loss. But they still show the right things in the game that you can look back and go, you know what, talent, talent was better this game. For the opposition, but Charlotte came and they fought and they left everything on the line. Like, that is something that could also be a factor. So, I don't know. That Those are what I'm looking at. Again, I want to see if they can at least stay in a three-point battle. That's point number one. Point number two, I really want Nick Richards to try to grab a double-double here. I think that he is somebody. Him and Grant Williams are, like, your most likely candidates outside of Miles Bridges. But I really want to see Nick Richards do that because that means that he is banging the glass and getting those rebounds. But he's also making an impact on the offensive side as well. Whether it's putbacks, dunks, you know, pocket passes, whatever the case may be, a double-double from Nick Richards means he's involved, in my opinion, on both sides of the ball. So I definitely want to see that happen. And then third, can Miles Bridges continue his hot scoring? Because it, 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 it can't be understated. It has been a factor in these Charlotte victories. It has been. I mean, he, like I said, he's been somebody this season who has been on it for the most part this year from an offensive perspective. But over these last set stretch of, stretch of games, he has been a guy – Really making it happen. Over the last five, again, or I'll go over the last four because we're doing the four-game winning streak, right? Against Memphis, 39 minutes, 25 points. Then he actually had two down games. Against Indiana, 39 minutes, 20 points. Against Atlanta, 34 minutes, 17 points. And then, of course, against Utah, 41 minutes, 26 points. But each time, you know, double-digit scoring, over 15 points a game. And then against Utah, Last night, he had 14 rebounds. He had a dud against Atlanta and, and, uh, and uh, Memphis. We had four rebounds against Atlanta, five rebounds against Memphis. But then he had seven rebounds against Indiana. So if he's getting, you know, somewhere between 20 and six, that's not bad. 
that's not bad. That's somebody who's knocking down threes. I think the only dud of a game he had from three was against Indiana, where he went one of six from three. But aside from that, he knocked down both the threes he took against Memphis. He was three of six against Atlanta, and then four of six against Utah. So if you shoot the three at a high clip, you get about 20 points and nine rebounds, 20 points and six rebounds a game, seven rebounds a game. Like, that's solid. That's the most consistency the Hornets have had this season, and especially over this stretch, right? I think Terry Rozier was your next most candidate for that, even though he had some peaks and valleys, and some of that was, you know, because of injury. And then Brandon Miller's definitely, he took him, you know, he's been consistent. He's had some duds mixed in there, but he's been more or less consistent as well. So, again, things you, you love to see, right? And speaking of Brandon Miller, I mean, he's more of an X factor for me, not a key to a victory, but more of an X factor for me. You know, I, I still think about his game uh, against Atlanta, where he had 26 points, six rebounds, four assists, three blocks, and one steal in 36 minutes. He was 8 of 19 from the floor, four of nine from three, made all six of his free throws. I want that. I'm not saying we're going to get that every night. The guy is a rookie, and you got to give him the grace there. But that's more or less what I want. But I'll take a game like he had against Utah, albeit I would like more efficiency. But 16 points, three rebounds, and five assists, I could take 16, three, and five. Granted, I wouldn't win on 16 shots, but I could take 16, three, and five, right? Um, against Indiana, 12 points on four, eight, shooting two of five from three, four rebounds, one assist. I can do that as well. And then against Memphis, get 18 points on seven and nine, three of four from three, six rebounds. Like, somewhere in between that, if I can get, you know, 14, three and four, 16, four and six, or 16, six and four, rather, 16 points, six rebounds, four assists, like, that would be good. Like, you know, the, the comparison to Paul George, I was not on top of immediately. I wanted some more individual shot creation, some more ability on ball, and we're still growing those things out. But I'm starting to see the vision more with Brandon Miller. Like, I'm starting to see that happen more, and I'm excited about that. Like, absolutely. And so, now, yes, with that increased play, the expectations also go up. But I, I really am pumped to see exactly what that looks like for him. So, yeah, that is what I'm looking for for tonight's game against Golden State. It should be a fun one. Action tips off promptly. I'm being a little bit sarcastic when I say this. Promptly at 8 o'clock, I'm going to say my time, MST time. So 8 o'clock MST time. That is what the time looks like. Going to have the Curry brothers clashing. It should be great. Um, I'm pumped to kind of just see again how this game looks. Yeah, over the last stretch. Listen, you know, still toward the bottom in terms of offensive categories as a whole this season but over this last stretch they have been ramping it up and so i'm pumped to see exactly what that looks like for this hornet squad against this warriors team but that's all i got for right now we will tune back in on that front when we get there do have some news that i didn't get to over the break after i talked about the trade deadline um it, it it just didn't come up and so it was about the charlotte hornets front office and and more specifically a change they have made to their general manager. So Mitch Kupchak, who has served as the team's president of basketball operations and the general manager since 2018, is moving on. He is a consultant now. He's moving into a consultant role within the organization. The team announced this last Monday, so a search for a new general manager will begin immediately, but Kupchak will remain in that current post until a successor is found. And so um, Hornets co-chairman Rick Schnall and Gabe Plotkin put together a statement that they released by the team. I'm going to read that right now. Quote, As Mitch nears the end of his contract, we agree that now was the right time to begin the search in order to put the organization in the best position for the upcoming offseason. 
We're excited to begin the hiring process for our new head of basketball operations as we continue to shape this franchise and work towards building a team for long-term sustainable success. We'll take a deliberate approach to the hiring process and we'll focus on making the best decision for the organization's long-term future. And so, yeah, that that is, end quote, for the moving on of Mitch Kupchak, the end of an era. I mean, I guess the era will officially end when Steve Clifford is replaced, which I imagine will happen at the end of the year. Maybe he'll also move to a consultant role or something to that effect. But that that is what's happening. Um, listen, got to give Kupchak some flowers. Like, they've been some really rough Hornets basketball in between 2018 and now. But when Kupchak was hired to replace Rick Cho, Rich Cho, financially, Charlotte was in shambles. They had a lot of money tied to Nicholas Batum, Cody Zeller, and Bismack Biombo. And, you know, Kupchak was able to kind of restore things financially. Now, granted, he then made a horrible financial decision, signing Gordon Hayward to a four-year $120, $120, (laughs) a four-year $120 million contract in 2020. That was all done by him. That was a move that was criticized at the time. Doesn't look good now. I'm glad he was able to recoup some value for um, Gordon Hayward. Thank you very much, you know, uh, Oklahoma City for Trey Mann. Thank you very much, you know, to a lesser extent for Davis Bertans. But, like, that's something that Kupchik did, right? Not great. Not great, especially knowing how injury-prone he was. Um, Thank you also, by the way, for Vasily Micic. I I don't know why I forgot to mention Micic as well, along with the pair of second-round picks. But, like, that was financially a very poor decision. In a possible 288 games, Hayward played 168 of them, which if you do the math, that comes up to 58.3% of his games. Better than I would have expected for Gordon Hayward, but not great. Like, who signed somebody that long-term commitment to play a little over half of your games? Not great. So, yeah, that's just that's just the actual long and short of it. Now, aside from financially getting a team right, that is one aspect of a general manager's responsibilities. You know, the other part is to hopefully try to get some winning in there. And that did not happen. The Hornets didn't actually make the playoffs. They did advance twice to the playing tournament in 2021, 2022. But they got bounced quickly and pretty definitively each time. And because of that, they boast the NBA's longest postseason route. They haven't made the playoffs since Rich Show was back in business. That was 2016. So that's the fourth largest in America's top four professional sports leagues. And listen, while the Hornets have also hit on some good draft picks, LaMelo Ball, uh, Ian Subcrow, but Brandon Miller as well, who could forget Scotty Lewis? Oh, you already did? Oh, my bad. Kai Jones and James Booknight. Booknight was released uh, this past week, well, last week to create roster space after the trade deadline. Uh, Jones got released before training camp even started. Scotty Lewis been gone. Like, that, that, that's just what it is. Then you had some coaching issues, you know. James Borrego was hired, came on board in 2018. Then he was fired in 2022 after the blowout play-in tournament loss to Atlanta, even though Borrego was probably doing the best coaching job of the last couple of coaches here in Charlotte. Then he led the coaching search to replace Borrego. He got Kenny Atkinson in. But then Kenny Atkinson was like, nah, I'm good, I'll pass. So then the Hornets scrambled, and guess what they did? They couldn't live with their own failure. So that brought them back to Steve Clifford bringing him back for a second stint. And there they are. Over the last season plus since they brought back Steve Clifford, they've gone, well, at this point now, 43-96. and 96. So congrats. But it's not great. So we'll see. But one thing I am happy about is the fact that, you know, Kupchak, being 69, he has signed a multi-year contract extension in 2022. Part of the understanding was that the deal would eventually have him move to this advisory role, 
once this season ended. So it's happened the way it is. This is no saving face and trying to hide cup check and all the things of, okay, like it hasn't been great because yes, it hasn't been great, but they're not just like making a smokescreen over excuse to move him on. This was in the plans from the beginning. Um, and it's actually following through to his execution. So we'll see what advising Cupcheck does and how that looks. And we'll also see more importantly, who the Hornets decide to look at uh, for the front office position. And so I know there's been some talk about possible people stepping in and becoming the the new general manager for Charlotte. Um, the names have definitely stepped up in terms of, I guess, pop, popular names, whether that is somebody like a Trajan Langdon, an Elton Brand, a Milton Newton. Like, these are the same names that have been talked about early as far as possible Hornets general managers moving forward, or at least candidates. So we'll see. Um, both Langdon and Brand are no strangers to the Carolinas, so they're more or less the early front runners. Um, Milton Newton is the Milwaukee Bucks assistant GM. He was also the GM of the Timberwolves for 2013 and 2016. Even though they were not great then, he has some experience knowing what it takes to run the day-to-day -day operations. You also have Jeff Peterson, the Brooklyn Nets assistant GM. Um, and then uh, Frank Zanin, the New York Knicks assistant GM. And he brings more than 22 years of NBA experience to the fold as well. So we will see what that looks like. And once a candidate is picked, um, we will have that here on the Charlotte Hornets podcast uh, to cover. But right now, that's just something to think about. But anyways, that'll do it here for the Sports Ethos Charlotte Hornets podcast. I want to thank y'all for rocking with me here. We will be back on um, over the weekend recapping this Hornets game against the Golden State Warriors. Good, bad, or ugly. We will have a gamer for y'all, so stay tuned for that. And then be back uh, to regularly schedule programming next week. But listen, y'all, really appreciate y'all as always for hanging out with me, checking it out. Follow uh, the Sports Ethos Charlotte Hornets podcast on Twitter at Ethos Hornets. Follow me on Twitter at Corbin NBA, C O R B A N N B A. And as always, this is the Sports Ethos presentation. So check out Sports Ethos on Twitter at Sports Ethos. All right, y'all. For myself, I'm Frosty. Y'all say Frosty, and we'll talk to y'all real soon. As always, let's go, Hornets.